This is the Visionary Collective podcast, helping visionary, purpose-led entrepreneurs and leaders come together to activate their biggest visions and have the unshakable confidence to build a successful and fulfilling life and business that makes a difference in the world. I'm Lisa Mitchell, and I'll be sharing everything you need to create the foundations and growth to build your legacy. You know you are here to do something bigger as part of the Visionary Collective. So welcome to this episode, and I am delighted today to have Pete Cohen on as my guest. Many of you will probably have heard already, but he is an expert in human behavior and performance. He's a business consultant, he's a coach, he's a motivational speaker, and he coaches business leaders, executives, corporate teams, and sporting stars to achieve their best. He's also the author of 20 published books. He's the host of another popular podcast called Future Self. He had his own TV show called The Coach was also the resident life coach at ITV's GMTV for 12 years. So Pete is coming with an enormous amount of experience and a lifetime's experience, I guess, of doing this work of owning your voice. And one of the reasons that I wanted to bring Pete on this month is because we're talking about owning your voice as a visionary. And Pete and I met at a speaking engagement in London a few weeks ago. And I was really struck, Pete, by your authenticity and the way you could speak and really be inclusive in your message, you know, for someone that's been around for such a long time. I felt so accepted and open in your presence. So I really wanted to sort of give that experience to the guests on the podcast today. Well, thank you for the for the opportunity. I think authenticity is such a, I'd like to think of it as a, I was going to say a valuable commodity to give to the world, to give our true self, you know, where we're not hiding. It's just like, well, this is me, you know, and I've got something to say. And I think right now in our world, there's never been as many people who perhaps have got something to say, but don't know how to say it in a way that is authentic. And we know it's a big fear that people have. Before we went live, you and I were just talking about how when you become really good at something, many people I know, they then want to pass it on. They want to, that's what you're about. I mean, it didn't take me very long to work that out, that your years of experience of working in the corporate world has led you to a place where you're inspired to help people move through that space where they can also be authentic. Yes. And I think the last point I'll make around this is that the word authentic, one of its roots is author. So, you know, every day we're, we're writing our lives, we're, we're writing a future, we bring our pasts, and we have the opportunity to be authentic and, and help other people with our message. I, I think most people have a message, have something to say and to share with the world that seriously could impact the world. Yes. And I was just writing something earlier, actually, and reflecting on that Marianne Williamson quote of like, you know, when we shine our light, we give yeah. us permission to do the same. And I've always loved that because I feel like, you know, for those of us who've been on this journey, who's done the personal development, who've been, you know, able to kind of step out and be authentic, the more we do that, the more we kind of open that energy, if you like, for other people to do the same, right? Well, that Marianne Williamson quote, I didn't think that was her quote. I thought that was Nelson Mandela's quote, oh, yeah. but yeah, no, it wasn't. It, it was Mandela's inaugural speech, but it wasn't his speech, right? I mean, he took it from somebody else. And, you know, that whole thing of man's deepest fear is his greatness. Yes. I do see that a lot. People are frightened to speak up and speak out and be heard. It seems to be give someone a disaster, a, a prognosis, a, a challenging situation, and, and then kind of how people feel doesn't really come into the equation because there's something to do. There's a necessity to act. And I don't think we should necessarily wait for disasters to happen for us to share our unique message, you know, to the world. Yeah. 
So tell us a little bit about your story, Pete. I know I've, I've sort of, even in the introduction, I was like, oh my gosh, 20 books and been on GMTV for 12 years. And but tell us, tell us where you came from. Tell us, you know, about you as a child and how you grew up and how did you get to be in the position that you're in? Well, it's funny when you, when you talk about many of the things I've done, it's strange because it feels a long time ago. You know, it feels like it's almost another life. I feel like I'm not that person anymore. You know, I was on television for a long time, but it was a long time ago. It was, I don't know, 13, 14 years ago. I never chased that. I was very happy to do that work. It was good fun. But, you know, I was very insecure as a a child. I was dyslexic. Mm. I really struggled. School was a complete waste of time. I developed a very much what some people might call a fixed mindset. I was fixed into the idea that I am not enough fixed that I needed validation, fixed in that I needed approval, that I needed to be loved. But what's interesting is even though with those massive insecurities, I've always had a, a drive that coupled with just enthusiasm. I've got a, a huge enthusiasm for what can we do, possibilities and humor. So I've got all of these great qualities that are kind of mixed in with a whole load of crap. That's probably the human experience right there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's something that that unique cocktail allowed me to have huge amounts of success or, you know, external success in terms of, you know, books, TV, all that sort of stuff, traveling, speaking all over the world, but internally a mess because it, you know, all the things I'd ever made me feel differently about myself. But look, I was brought up by two incredible parents. They're both not here anymore, but my mom always, always showed me that there is a way. Always. So everything she did, she led by example in some respects, but she definitely showed me there's always a way, there's always an answer. And my dad, Lisa, was uh, just an incredible networker. I mean, my dad was a Rotarian and the, the motto of Rotary is you seek service over self. Wow. So you're always looking to serve, you're always looking to add value. So, you know, those qualities, those insecurities all mixed together has made an incredibly rich tapestry of my life. I became a personal trainer. I left school with one, well, I was the last of the O-levels, so one GCSE in history. I don't have maths. I don't have English. I bluffed my way into university. I did a first degree in sports science. I became a fitness instructor, personal trainer. So getting up in front of people, it was something I had to get really good at doing because I was pushed. But in saying that, I also loved acting as a child, mm-hmm. right? I loved, that was enough drama. I loved, you know, the theatre. My parents took me to Hampstead Theatre when I grew up and nearly all of those productions went to the West End. So I was so lucky and so fortunate that um, was interesting that when I started to get some B.O. roles in plays, I had such issues learning lines. And the directors would just say, well, look, you can't do that part. We'll have to give you a smaller part, which was a bit challenging. But you know what? Being on stage and speaking, you know, that's why I can feel most alive. Yes. And I've been fortunate enough to do that all over the world. And I, I want to do more of it. I feel so privileged that I get to share my voice, but it's behind my voice. It's a message. There's something I've got to say. And I want to say it to everyone, even though my message isn't for everyone. I understand that. I'm sure you relate to that. And I know this is your podcast, but I'd like to understand more about, you know, I heard you speak at that event. What's your message to the world? So, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because again, I've, I was ref- I've been reflecting on this a lot as I've been writing, you know, the, and recording this podcast and writing some stuff around claiming your voice. And, you know, our experience of growing up is not dissimilar. You know, I grew up feeling like, I honestly thought I'd been born into the wrong family. And that doesn't take away from how wonderful my family is. 
but I just felt so different to everybody else. You know, my voice comes out of that experience of growing up in a lower middle class sort of family with hard workers. You know, that was the message. You have to work hard. You have to knuckle down. You know, you don't get anything without a struggle. And I can remember even as a child thinking, I don't understand. That does not make any sense to me. But why wouldn't we create lives that are joyful and happy and follow our passions and all of those things? But I didn't have any role models or anyone around me. So my message is really linked to that. I talk about extraordinary living and creating an extraordinary life and business. I guess that's the thing. I do a lot of work with organizations, as you know, but sitting underneath it is that bigger message of like, you know, life's supposed to be purposeful, passionate and joyful in every moment. Not when you retire or not when you get enough money or not when you do X, Y and Z, but to find that joy and passion and purpose every day. And what's interesting to me about work, and I know you go and speak to organizations, is that I feel like that sense of purpose for people is more and more important. You know, the people want to feel purpose in what they do. I want to take a moment to thank you for doing that work, because I've literally worked in organizations for 25 years. I mean, predominantly as a speaker, but I'm actually a coach. If someone says, you know, what do you do? I, I say I'm a coach. Yeah. I'm not interested in speaking just for the hate, for the, you know, for the sake of it. You know, look at me. I've motivated you. I'm interested in, in results, you know, and what's fascinating about the corporate world is, as he said, you know, people want, I think people want three things in organizations. They want autonomy. They want to be themselves. They, they want mastery. They want to get better at something and they want purpose. They want to feel that they're a part of something. And when those three elements are there, we see organizations Flourish, yes. but unfortunately, very few and far between that there's always them and us. And you know, when we were talking again before we started about your voice, people are trying to speak up in organization because they don't want to reveal their true self. And I've seen that. I will ask, you know, big questions of people and people don't want to go first. In fact, I was working the other day at an event and the resistance in the room to speak out, it was palpable. It was like you could breathe. And yet, you know, that's why I love the work that you do, because I can see what you're doing. It's about, look, we are one. We are one organism as, as an organization. And we have to work as one. We can't work in these structures. I mean, structure has a place and hierarchy has a place, but only to a point. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, it's fascinating because I've, I've always worked with two types of organizations, big FMCG organizations and founder-led organizations. And, you know, if I'm honest, my heart lies with the founders you know, because I love that energy. You know, I love that spirit. I love the fact that they're trying to do something big in the world. But I also, you know, it's funny, at certain points, I've tried to walk away from the big organizations, got frustrated with it. But actually, they impact on so many people's lives that I feel like if we could bring more of that entrepreneurial energy and that sense of cohesion and purpose in, then how many lives could you impact doing that? that that's what excites me in it, you know? You know what's fascinating about that? And I'd love to introduce you to one of the most exceptional leaders I've come across in business. His name's Dale White, and he's the CEO of Suzuki, UK and Ireland. And Suzuki, you know, I've done a lot of work with them. Their strapline is the trusted car brand for those people who are proud to be different. And they are different. They've been voted the most trusted car brand for many years. They've, they've won this award. And you think, is that just a get it or is that real? But when you spend enough time with the organization, you realize 
that there is this spirit of entrepreneurship in a in a business. Yes. And I love what you said there because he's an entrepreneurial leader in a, a huge company. And you know, the word entrepreneur in its origin, it doesn't it, you know, there is the meaning in the dictionary that means someone who's gonna take a risk in the pursuit of a profit. But it has a deeper meaning. An entrepreneur comes from a Sanskrit word that means there's something that you have to do. You know, you, it's like, yeah, you have to do it. And I think to think that entrepreneurs don't work in large organizations is crazy because you want to find that spirit within a business where people will kind of step up and, and we create a space for people to grow. Yes. Because we know that human beings are at their best when they're growing and they're contributing. But again, it comes from culture and creating that. What, what you were talking about with those founder businesses is that spirit just tends to be there. Yes. Until they reach a certain size. <laughs> and then this yeah. kind of, if we're not conscious of it, start to create some of those issues, some of those hierarchies, some of those layers, some of that lack of communication, you know, which is really, you know, one of the biggest challenges in organizations. I, I totally agree with you is how do we show our authentic selves and how do I yeah. take risk within that, you know? Yeah, I think that when something grows, it can grow so big that it's hard. It changes, yeah. you know, it evolves. But I, I don't think there's nothing better when, when you create an environment where people can speak up. You know, where, in fact, it was interesting is using Suzuki as an example. One of his qualities is with his senior team. He leads them all individually. In fact, every week he speaks to them individually. So they can then go off and he's not into micromanagement at all. But, you know, a few things changed. And then one of one of those guys came to him and said, Dale, you're pissing us off because you, you're micromanaging us. And then you know you're doing a good job because your people are then telling you what you should stop doing. Yes. You know, we all can work together for the, the betterment of people, the betterment of the organization. Yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, if we'll think about the great resignation, which which seems to be something which many people are aware of. I think it has a lot to do with the fact that people don't want to do a job where they're not valued and appreciated. Like you said, they want to feel that they are a part of something. Yes, absolutely. So tell us, what was your big vision? What's your big message? It really is just about the future, how we see the future. I, I believe there is a future self. There's a song which starts off with the lyrics. Last night I had a dream. I had a dream. There was three of me. There was the man I was. It was the man I am, and there's the man I want to be. So Simon Sinek talks a lot about, you know, it starts with why. You know, what's your why? I'd say, okay, that's important, but I'm more interested in who. Yes. With this big why, what did you do with it and who did you become? Yes. Because that person to me, that person exists. And as a, as a coach, you know, I've, I think, as you know, I've coached some incredible athletes, and some world champions, Olympic medalists. And it is that thing of, okay, you've come to me. What do you want? You want to win. Okay, well, who is the person that won? Yes. Could we work at becoming that person? So my big thing is around let's help people identify with the future self that they want to go out and create. And I'd love to hear what you'd have to say on this around in life is your greatest test, your greatest testimonial. You know, can I still teach the principles of future self? Can I still help people be hopeful? There is a science of hope. The science is where you see a better future than where you are. You, you have an agency. You know you have the ability to navigate and you're prepared to take different pathways to get there. Yes. So that's why I teach. But at this moment in time, I'm hugely challenged by that to continue to share my message when I find myself in, I think, probably the most 
difficult time in my entire life, actually, to still think like that. Yes. What about you in terms of, do, do, you, do, do you think that? Do you think that, you know, your greatest test is, or has it been your greatest testimonial? Absolutely. I mean, I, I think as to you when we met that I, you know, I've been through a very challenging divorce in the last few years and become a single parent and I'm running my own business. I'm doing all these things. I just got a puppy, which is why <laughs> I think we have to time this call around the puppy being quiet. And, you know, I remember being in the midst of that experience when it was incredibly challenging, incredibly challenging. I don't talk about all the details of that because I'm being respectful to the other person. But I remember having this moment. I had two really pivotal moments in it. One was I was talking to a friend of mine and I said, do you know what I've realized is I am going to be a resilience ninja when I come through this process. Like I'm going to be able to, I know that I can deal with anything if I can stay in my own energy and I can sort of manage the situation in my own energy when it's the most challenging situation I've ever been in. And then the other thing that happened to me, interesting, I was going to London one day, again, in the midst of all this crap that was going on, and I was sitting on a train going to see something in London. And as I sat on the train, I had this moment where I suddenly thought, that's so weird. I'm actually really happy. And there was nothing in my external circumstances, well, nothing, you know, it was a good stuff, but there was, my external circumstances would not say that, that that would make me happy at that point. And I literally sat on the train and it was like a spiritual moment, honestly, where I sat there and I thought, wow, I can choose to be happy no matter what, you know? And so I sit here now years on and think, wow, I, I wouldn't give up that experience for the world, honestly, with all its challenges and, you know, I have a daughter, so all the challenges that that created for her too, and all the stuff I've had to work through, I think, you know, I know I'm at a different level to work with my clients now, having gone through that personally. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? That song, What, what Doesn't Break You can, can Make You Stronger, and that obviously that realization of I've got, I have everything I need. Yep. I have myself, I have my freedom, you know, I have me, which is obviously what you must have experienced. Yes. And we know that people are less psychologically stable when they aren't chasing fame and wealth and power. And that's not to say there's anything wrong with those things. But, you know, when you have that kind of, I have everything I need. I'm exactly where I need to be. I am free. Yes. And that's a wonderful feeling to have. And now that's what you're obviously teaching people to do the same. Yes. You know? So kudos to you. But without denying any of the emotion of it, because I think that's the other thing I've spoken quite a lot. There is a bit of the personal development industry for me, which is, oh, flip it into the positive. And, you know, you can kind of change your mindset. And I'm like, well, not if you haven't processed the emotion sitting underneath. Because if you don't process the emotion, you don't allow yourself to fuel. You're just storing it up in your system, aren't you, to come out at some later date, you know? Yeah, the, the body definitely keeps the score. We're emotional creatures. We, we can't really get away from that. I suppose everyone has a different way of dealing with things. And, uh, you know, I'm not a specialist in the past. I'm a specialist in the now and the future. But I know that when you're working with someone and it's quite clearly that there has been trauma there that they haven't been able to make sense of, I suppose the, the lowest of the level of the vibration of a human being is the vibration of the emotion of shame and grief and if people are experiencing that and they don't know where it's coming from it's probably a good idea to work with someone yeah so you know to work through that but that that's not also to say that as you evolve and you go you go through things that trauma comes up that you didn't even know that was there or you knew it was there but you didn't realize how it could affect you again and that's where you know having good people around you is, is essential but you you're probably like me where 
we've been able to get to a point in our life and we can look back and go, well, I'm glad that happened because that happened for me. It didn't happen to me. It happened to me at the time, but now I've, you know, I've grown through that and that's what you work through. Again, I think it's work. Working through that stuff isn't always easy. There's studies that have shown people would prefer an electric shock rather than actually spending time on their own with their own thoughts. And we've experienced, I think, that there is there is something that is sometimes difficult to explain, the spirit of a person, the, the soul of a person that is, you know, these are interesting conversations to have because some people don't have that kind of, I don't know what you would call it, spiritual awareness or just the, the spirit of a person. You know, who are who who is Pete Cohen? Is, yeah. is Pete Cohen his body? Is he his mind? Or is there more to Pete Cohen than this? Can you feel the essence of who I am? Yes. Well, I know you can. And I know I can feel the essence of who you are. And when we come together with the essences of who we are, there's only one thing. Yeah. Right? And I think, well, there's actually maybe two things. Love and possibility. Yes. You know? That's maybe quite emotional, that has. I totally agree with you. And I, I think at the base of everything that I do, and I think probably ties into your work as well, is that sense of connection. You know, that I think so many of yeah. looking for connection, looking for someone to go, oh, you get me. You know, you get me, you see me, you know, yeah. I, I, I think that's been missing in a lot of businesses and organizational life and in our life in general. That's why I love this podcast. That's why I love connecting with people like you, because, you know, you get that sense of like, oh, me too, me too. Oh my gosh, there is a movement happening here. But you have your unique voice in it and I have my unique voice in it. And when we come together, it creates this kind of sense of, it's like a busyness. Do you know what I mean? The sense of possibility. Well, there's a, there's a friend of mine called Patty Dolbovolsky. She's given four TED Talks. She, I met her in a you know, very dark time of actually Googling, draw your future. And if anyone Googles draw your future, you see Patty come up and we've become fantastic friends. We coach each other. And I remember she just said to me, not long ago, well, maybe a couple of years ago now, she said, Pete, you've got to make the choice. You've got to choose love or fit. Which one are you going to choose? And the real like epiphany for me, and it wasn't that you can't be frightened. It's just like, what do you want to dominate with? Do you want to, do you want the dominating force to be love, right? Where you can lead with love. You can be kind. You can be considerate. You can be compassionate. That even if fear comes, it's like, well, no, you can move through the fear. Yes. And I, I, I've chosen to live in fear. And let's, 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 let's be honest. That's how a lot of organizations, organizations run. It's the carrot and the stick. It's like, you know, you want to be in fear that you're going to lose your job because maybe that will bring out the best in you. But we know that's nonsense. Yeah. We need to, you know, as we said, we need to be the change. Yes. We need to create that space for others to follow. Yes. Because if we don't, you know, what what's the alternative? Yeah. You know? So when you go and share your message, I'm curious. I've never seen you speak to a big group. But I would love to, actually. And you, you're speaking about the future self and all of those things. What's that like for you? What's the impact that you see when you do that? Well, because I've, for years, my subject was probably more about motivation, but the last, I don't know, three, four years, it's really been around future self. And I, I gave a talk the other day to about 150 people, and I, I mentioned before that the, the resistance in the room was palpable, that the resistance in pockets, right? I only know that there are people in that room that they need to hear my message, and I have to work really hard. I'll send if you want. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I've got a recording of it. They said I can record it. And you can actually see just how hard I'm working to give these people a different perspective. 
because people don't change when we tell them what to do. You know, that's one of the biggest problems in the world right now is I'm right and you're wrong and that's it. You know, sorry, that's the way it is. Whereas as I'm looking at you now down the camera, my right is your left. So if I could stop and look at the world through your eyes, then it would be a really interesting thing to do. But then I have to kind of forget myself and be curious. As Stephen Cove said, you know, you, you're seeking first to understand, not to be understood. Yes. So if I'm working with a large group of people, especially in an organization, that can be challenging because those people, they haven't paid for me to be there, you know. They're just there, and now they've got to listen to someone speak who they don't even know. So I have to be very, very confident. You know, there is self-consciousness there, but I don't really pay too much attention to it because I'm, I'm coming through. I've got a message. Yes. And what's interesting, when I delivered this message the other day, that a number of younger people came up to me, probably late 20s, and really thanked me. And, and one came up, person just came up to me who's just become a father who's been really suffering from depression. And he just said, you know what? That's exactly what I needed to hear. And that's why if you know what your message is, then you've got to get the message out there. Yeah. You, but you've got to understand not everyone's going to want to listen to you. Yes. You know? Yeah. And, and, and the people will receive it in the way that they can receive it. Because I've had that experience as well. I've you know, run a lot of kind of leadership programs and things in the past. And you know, you get maybe 12 people in a room who've been given to you. And you'll have a few people that, in, you know, immediately resonate with what you have to say. You'll have a whole load in the middle and you'll have a couple of real resistors on the edge, you know. But actually, I think this is part of my character that once we, you know, it, I don't want to say I make it a mission, but I do love to kind of like to impact on those resistors because they're often the people that become the advocates of the change because it literally is one of those light bulb moments of like, oh my God, I can be different. There is a difference. I think, I, again, I don't know, but I think what you're referring to is the people that are sitting on the fence. Yes. You know, but that's definitely what I'm talking about. I think there's three groups. It's like, look, I used to work at a gym and people would join the gym and there'd be three types, three groups. One group, it doesn't matter what you say, it doesn't matter what you do, they're coming. Yeah. Right? They are coming. There's those weird, actually like exercising. Then there's the other group. It doesn't matter what you say, it doesn't matter what you do, they're not coming. Yes. And then there's all these people in between that are kind of acting like they're sitting on the fence. And our goal is to get them to come over to a different world, to step into this and look at the world differently. Yes. And I'm sure that's what you excel at. You know, not like you, I'm still looking at the people in the room who I think don't want to be there <laughs> and try and work uh, to get them on side. Yeah. But it's fear often, isn't it? Yeah. Because it's, it's the fear of, them know that they have. I think when you lead with love, so like I say, love, you can break through a lot of resistance just by being loving because it just, people can't resist it. Yeah. You know, they can't. It's an energy that cannot be stopped. It's like when you see a, a little baby smiling or a puppy that's like your puppy that's just tail wagging, eyes open. You just feel love. You feel connection. Yes. And that's why you got to go first. You know, if you want someone to feel love or feel open, feel it yourself. You know, right? And then they will feel it, whether they do anything with it or not. Yes. You know, we, right. we, we have this wonderful ability to change everything with what how we touch it. Yes. And I think I think it's so important what you're saying, Pete, because, you know, I say I've been writing some stuff today and I was thinking about when you have a message to me, it's kind of yours and, it, and it's not, it's bigger than you. You know, so I feel like what I talk about is, is born out of my experience. You know, and I believe everything happens for a reason anyway, so that's no, there's not a separation in that sense. 
But it's also something that's been given to me. I do feel like it gives me the strength to pass on that message because I just think, well, it's not, it's not really mine. It's like I'm, I'm being a channel for it rather than it being something for me personally. And that gives it a whole energy and momentum of its own, right? Yeah, it's, you know, again, it sounds like a bit of a cliche, right? But when your message is bigger than you, how you feel really should not come into the equation. And there's a couple of levels to what you said. For me, one of those levels is the people that have poured into me in my life. Some of them are not here. Most of them aren't here. But when I walk into a room, those people are with me, you know? Yeah. And I feel supported by them. I feel liberated by them. That's one level. I think there's another level where something's almost coming through you. You know, that might sound a bit strange to people, but there's something coming through you. You're a vehicle for something, like a message. Again, that might seem a little bit weird to some people, but that's how I feel. Yeah. That's why I can just be me. I don't really care what I think. It's more importantly, I've got something to say. I'm going to say it. Yeah. You can do whatever you want with it. That's not my business. I'm not here to manipulate you. I'm here for you to manipulate yourself. <laughs> if you want to be. Yeah. How do you stay in this space with challenging times going on? You know? Well, when, you, when we met, it's amazing just how quickly things can change. I mean, literally, I think everybody knows how quickly something can be different. So, you know, when I say my greatest test is my greatest testimonial, one of the stories that people have heard me speak about is the story of my wife. So 13 years ago, she wasn't given very long to live with a brain tumor. So I, I had a coach, there's a picture of him now, for those of you that are watching this on video, I worked with this guy for 16 years. Wow. He was like Mr. Miyagi <laughs> from the Karate Kid. He was from the Philippines, lived in Dallas. I called him up, I asked him what I should do. And I never forget what he said. He just said, find people that are still alive with the same brain tumor and find out what did they do. And then he said, ask her what she's going to do, it's better. And I didn't ask her that question for three years because I didn't actually think it was important. And if I'd gone back in time, that would be the first thing I would have asked her. What are you going to do when you get better? Yeah. Uh, then it's quite interesting because I'm now realizing, I know I want to ask her that question right after we finish this podcast. And I found a treatment in America. We went there. She made a miraculous recovery. And three years later, I asked her the question that Raphael asked me to ask her, which is, what are you going to do when you get better? And she started to cry. And I thought she was crying because she didn't see a future, which is ridiculous. I'm so ignorant. Because everybody sees the future. Everybody. Even blind people. You know, we all, everything we do is based and geared on the future that we see. She obviously did not see a future that she wanted. It's actually what people call a default future, that most people are living a future they don't want. Yes. Because they're not thinking about what they want. They're thinking about what they don't want. And then they wonder why they get it. Yeah like heart disease and cancer, so many of these horrible conditions. But last year, she got re-diagnosed. And we couldn't go back to America for the treatment that she had. I found a treatment in Germany where they put some viruses in her body and it triggered an immune response. And the cancer that was there disappeared, apart from a very small piece because she had a few tumors in her brain. It was very serious. And, and then she got COVID in December and it seemed to stop this viral treatment from working but we didn't know because literally her uh, transformation was miraculous and then we went back just after we met we went after we met each other i went we went back to munich for another scan and it wasn't good news and she didn't have more virus treatment and the virus treatment has triggered something and we don't know whether it's more growth of the tumor 
because her right side has shut down a bit again. So we now have to wait next week until we go back and she has another scan. And then we have to go and sit down with the doctor to discuss the results. I mean, it's horrendous. I mean, it's like the worst thing. I think of, a, of the, all the things that human beings can go through. You know, when someone you love's life who's young yeah. is in question, horrendous. And I suppose the other one is, you know, if you're a child, and I've seen, I mean, I'm contacted every week by people with brain shivers because of, I've been very public about this story. And you see when, when you lose a child, my God, how difficult that must be to deal with. So I don't mind telling you this because it's what's going on. It's not like I can't hide it. Yeah. It's the reality of my current reality. Yeah. But what I have realized, Lisa, is the mindset is everything. What I do with my mind, even though my mind is running over time, thinking about all these different scenarios, I then have to bring it back. And then I have to say to myself, who is the person I need to be for my wife? And that is tough. Yeah. It is tough. I find it tough. Yes. Because I, I'm important as well, you know? Yes. But who is the person I need to be? And she's being so incredible. I mean, like showing me, she's showing me the way that she is so brave. But it's a very, very weird time. Yeah. Very surreal. Yeah. And yet here you are still showing up, Pete, and still sharing your message and still, you know, I can't imagine how many people you've inspired who are going through a similar situation, you know? And, you know, somebody said this to me the other day. It's interesting. That I Obviously, my, my work is working with organizations broadly, but it's actually a lot of my posts around divorce and bringing up my child around those challenges and those kind of things that I get probably the most messages about. It's interesting, isn't it? You know, and my, my coach says to me, but when you're going to have to, you know, really do some teaching around parenting and, and going through these relationship stuff. And I'm, I'm, I'm in that resistance of like, oh, that's not what I do. I do this other piece over here. But I, but I do get what she says. And, you know, it's interesting I, in my daughter's school at the moment. I can feel where the system isn't lined up. And I, again, I'm in resistance about getting involved because I'm not sure they want to change, actually. But I, I can see exactly the pieces. You know, and that's one of the challenges, isn't it? Of like, I've always had that ability of going into an organization or a system and being able to see exactly what needs to change really clearly and the big pieces that need to change. And then it's assessing the appetite to do that, you know? But we, we just have to show up. We have to be authentic. We have to show all of ourselves, don't we? You know? What a fascinating, I mean, as you said that, I, I got some form of confirmation to some sort of sense of, mm, that's fascinating that you have a, a superpower, that you can go into an organization, quickly. your brain is able to see what is going on and what needs to change in order for things to be aligned. Yes. My, my coach was, he was, a, he was brilliant in business. He was unbelievable. And he said to me, business is a straight line. You know, he said, when you, when you love someone, you know, that, that energy is, that's not a straight line. That's like a, that's round, right? And for a business to work, there has to be alignment. Yes. And you're obviously able to go in and talk to them, Mr. Alignment, and say, okay, this is what you need to do. Yeah. But then realizing that even when we present that to people, some people don't want to hear it because it means, whoa. Yes. We have to look at ourselves to change. Yes. Uh, but it was interesting what you said before about the work with people who are going through challenges in life. And you said about the resistance. Well, you're, whether you like it or not, you're already doing that. Yes, work. well, I am. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny, I was coaching somebody the other day, you know, a sort of uh, exec leader high up in an organization. And I said, what do you want to work on today? And she said, I really need help with my relationship with my child. And I was like, okay. 
<laughs> and and you know her child is yeah. at four, I think. My child is eleven. So I've gone through this journey, and you know, bringing up a very consciously bringing up a child to be very self-aware and conscious and have her own opinions and all of those things, which is amazing and super challenging sometimes. When you're kind of like, you know, I find myself sometimes saying to her, "Just agree with one thing that Mummy says today. Just like one. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a little respite." <laughs> you know. This is the the thing, right? When you, when I suppose the the challenge of bringing up a child like that is that they become better than you, absolutely. In some respects, you know, not not so much better. It's just because they are you, and they're more than you. Yeah. So they have to be better than you. Yeah. Especially if you create that space. But of course, that managing that, yeah. Because obviously, your experience and mothers are always right. Mothers' intuition, you know, all of these things. It's but you know, kudos to you for bringing up someone who's opinionated. Yeah. And, and, you know, if I heard this morning from a lady who I work with, a 10-year-old, she's a single parent as well. Her 10-year-old said to you know, mommy, why are you upset? And she said something about, you know, just feeling alone. And her son 10, said, mommy, you're never alone. You're always on your own. Doesn't matter who's with you. You're always on your own. Yeah. I thought, what a profound thing to say. And she worked it out and then she was yeah. telling me this, you know. And I think this is the exciting thing for me because... You know, generationally, we change, right? When you look at generations coming into work and coming into, I don't mean a, an organization, but into the work that they're here to do, there's so much more consciousness around that now. You know, there's so much more of a desire to do something purposeful and meaningful. And, you know, that's incredibly challenging in some ways. And again, I was writing about Sally, it's so funny having this conversation with you of kind of, you know, people keep saying to me, oh, we want to go back to the way things were before COVID or before whatever. And I'm like, do you know what? That ship has sailed. You know, you can't pull people back in this box. It's like it's been opened. And now the opportunity is how do you work with people differently? And how do you stop seeing these people as a problem and hard to manage and see what they're bringing and allow that to flow and see, you know, they've got this knowledge and wisdom that you don't have because they came from a different consciousness, a different experience. And that's what I feel with kids now. And I sit with my child and her friends and she goes to an alternative school, so it's more encouraged. But I'm just blown away by the conversations they have, you know, and their level of conscious awareness of what's going on. I'm glad that you create the space for those types of conversations and, you know, that you put her into a school where she can become, you know, sound, again, sounds like a cliche, right? But she can become a better version of herself. You know, when you were talking at the beginning, I was thinking how, you know, the problems that most of us had when we were younger, it wasn't us. It, we were not the problem. The problem was the world that we were trying to be pushed into fitting into that never, it was never for us, you know? And then I don't think it's for most people to actually, because we, you know, we just, we fit in. Yeah. You know, we fit in rather than just to be accepted, but we're not really ourselves. You know, wouldn't it be amazing if you could go back in time and I could go back to school right now, you know, and, and not that I'd want to go back to school, but if I accepted myself in the way I accept myself now, I wonder how much more impact I would have had on everything and everyone around me. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and I think what's interesting is a lot of people that I work with, who I call visionaries, who are doing things differently and creating change in the world and have a voice, actually had the same experience of not fitting in. Because the truth is, we're not like the 90% of the population. 
<laughs> most people can fall. They set that future, as you say, that default future that they move into. You know, that was part of me setting up this podcast and setting up this thing that I call the Visionary Collective is so that it creates this momentum of people who are different, who are leading the future to come together. Because I think there's such a power and a momentum and energy in that, you know? I think it's becoming more celebrated. I think people are this whole diversity inclusion. When when you see that in practice, you just see this total acceptance of who people are without feeling the need to change and manipulate them. You see more and more people being open and open and vulnerable about how they're thinking and feeling, and rather than hiding away from that. Uh, what I've observed from the greatest athletes I've worked with, the real greats, they have no issue talking about their weaknesses you know, about their vulnerabilities, their insecurities, rather than I'm not, I'm not going to reveal that. You know, and that's yes. one of the reasons people don't like speaking in public because they don't want people to see a weakness in them. Yes. You know, rather than being able to stand up and say, you know what, it's okay to be vulnerable as, as a Brene Brown has made it. I mean, she, what she's done for the world, bringing that conversation around, it's good to be vulnerable. Yes. You know? Yeah. Because then you can be, you don't know, have to put this armor on, look at me, and look, rather than, look, forget that. Who are you really? Yeah. I'll never forget someone saying that to me years ago. Years ago when I was speaking, they said, Pete, you're really good at doing all of that kind of showmanship. Oh, yeah. But then he said to me, yeah, but he said, who are you really? So why don't you be your really self? And I was like, Oi. you know, and I've learned how to do, and I've definitely become far more effective in my communication through being more curious, being more loving, just being more me. Yes. And I would say from my meeting with you, Pete, I mean, I, that was my biggest thing I felt intuitively meeting you was, you know, your sense of, you know, love and acceptance of people and curiosity about people and, you know, a total lack of ego, you know, just, just, and I say connection is one of my big values and the things that I love to do. And so I love the people that are open-hearted and want to connect with. And that's what I felt when I met you, was that open-heartedness. Well, you know, I was in a room that day. I think I was the only man. Yeah. No, there was a couple of those. Like, there was a two cameramen and a sound engineer. They were male. I've spent more time working with females than I have men. And I, I actually mentioned this when I spoke. There is a female side to men and a female. Yeah, you know, we have those chromosomes. We have those those energies, if you like. But, you know, for another animal, if you were talking about that, they wouldn't know what you were talking about, about male and female. But it's our ability to be loving, to be kind, to listen, but also to be direct. And I think a lot of men are frightened to show that side of themselves. To say to someone, I love you. My, my grandfather never said to my father, I love you. But my, my dad, he became completely different. He used to kiss us. He used to tell us he loved us. And he used to tell us how proud he was of us. And now he passed that all on to me. And when my father died at his funeral, he was packed. It was like, there's 200 people that couldn't get in. They were outside looking on the screens. And my dad was a, he was a tall man. He just made everyone feel important because he just listened. He was like, yeah. he was just a curious person. Yes. And, and um, I'm just curious as I ever have been about what can we do? How can we help each other? What do you need? And uh, it's just a wonderful thing. It's 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 more valuable to me than than anything else. Yeah, real authentic connections with people. And I think that's when you know. Also, you found your work in the world, right? When you know, I say to people, I've been running my own business for I don't know, about eighteen years, I think. And I, I said to somebody the other day, I'm more excited about it now than I've ever been. It's never got old for me. I've hit points where I'm like, mm, I need to transition it. I'm feeling a little bit like. I'm been there and done it and I need the next level of it. But it never gets boring to me because I'm like, gosh, there's 
I feel like I'm still a beginner in everything there is to know about human beings and life. And then, of course, everything changes around me at the same time. And then there's a new challenge and something else comes up. You know, so I, and, and I'm somebody that gets bored really easily, but the, the whole topic of human nature and potential and all of that just never gets old for me. <laughs> That's how I know I'm doing the right thing, you know, and being curious. I love what you said there. Sorry, I, I interrupted you there. I loved what you just said there about, I know nothing. I think that's such a powerful way of moving through the world. Yeah. We value ourselves, a lot of people, what they know. It's like, well, there's so much space to still know, yeah. to understand just by that whole thing. And I think curiosity is a superpower. Yes. Fascinating. So I'm sure we could talk all day, Pete, <laughs> and never get to the end. But unfortunately, we are at the end. So how can people learn more about the future, self-work and interact with you? What's the best way to get in touch with you if people want to kind of, you pique their curiosity? Well, you know, you can reach out to me through LinkedIn or Instagram. I've got my website. You can listen to a podcast. I've got so much free content, which people can go and consume. If people want to have a conversation with me, then just find a way to make that happen. If you want it enough, you'll find a way. But Lisa, I honestly want to thank you for the opportunity to connect with you because um, I'm sure someone's going to listen to this conversation. I'm going to tell people about it because I want people to meet you. Well, thank you. When you say thank you, and I thank you for thanking me. Someone said to me the other day about this around, um, yeah, I know she's a, an amazing lady. Her name is Dr. Roshana. When people reach out and people say, oh, thank you very much. She said, it's the most natural thing to do. It is the most natural thing to do. If someone needs help, you help them. If someone, uh, you find something that's really good, you want to tell people about it. Yes. And that was also a big epiphany. It's like, you know, it's the most natural thing to do. It's just fear that stops people from doing that. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been a brilliant conversation, Pete. And, you know, you've sparked things in my brain and I can feel that it's done the same for you, right? It's just given you other insights and other pieces, which is the joy of co-creation, the joy of these conversations. So I really, you know, thank you so much for coming on. And, you know, I look forward to seeing what we can create. I feel like our worlds are going to kind of continue to, <laughs> to come together in some way. So what we can create. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Visionary Collective podcast with myself, Lisa Mitchell. If you're a visionary founder or leader and want to transform your business, please do get in touch at lisa at lisamitchell.co.uk. 